The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. And it's the Prohibition is Over edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, professional batter and man of many states. I'm sure soon enough he'll have his, well, we won't talk about any potential illegalities, but let's just say if there's a bad number in Minnesota, he'll have it. Steve Fezzik, across from me, Brad Powers, college football specialist. I'm RJ Bell. And guys, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting, no doubt about it. We're going to talk a little bit about this big historic Additional freedom? Don't tread on me. And But just some, because already in your feed, and if you're not subscribed yet, big mistake, already in your feed, and to subscribe, you just go to any podcast player. Multiple ones are fine. Subscribe. You get every podcast immediately. And sometimes they're surprises, emergency pods. Yesterday, me and Maddie Holt did about... 90 minutes on the Supreme court decision. And I'll tell you, Maddie was the guy to talk to. This is a guy, vice president of CG technology just moved on from there. And over the last seven or so years booked more bets than anyone in the United States. And Maddie Holt interacted more with the leagues when it comes to integrity than anyone in the United States. He headed up CG's um, integrity division. So we were able to talk about the future of bookmaking, the future of betting, and the future of the integrity issue. Great conversation. I learned a lot. That's in your feed right now. And if you aren't subscribed, you can go to my Twitter, at Vegas and see it got put out on Tuesday morning. Now today, we're going to get Fezzik's thoughts and Brad's thoughts on the legalization Supreme court decision, probably 15 you know, 12 minutes on it. We're not going to overdo it because we do have the separate pod. In addition, we're going to be talking both NBA semifinal conference finals, semifinals across the league, Boston, Cleveland, Golden State, Houston. Fez has some pretty strong conclusions off the early games. We continue with the Brad powers college football previews. Big conference every week. This week, the ACC. He has an underrated bet, overrated bet, and thoughts on the big teams, Clemson, Miami, etc. Fezzik continues his top 32 countdown in the NFL. Last week, one through five. This week, six through ten. And here's the question on everybody's mind. How much does... I love Jimmy G. He loved Jimmy G. <laughs> do the 49ers make the top 10? I'm thinking they do. I haven't seen the list. I'm thinking they do. Now, no Preakness talk because we're doing a separate 
Preakness pod. You would think May, perhaps we take it a little bit easy. Oh, no, no, no. Forget about that. And oh, by the way, if you like to win, oh, let's be honest. If you're listening, you like to win. If you like to win, we are going to be talking probably for the only time the WNBA, about 12 minutes on why, and this sounds like a bold statement, but I believe it's true, is, and Fezzik, you can tell me if you agree, if someone bets less than a nickel a game, less than 500 a game, and they said, I want the best chance to be profitable. Now, that's a different desire. That's a different objective than I want to make the most money. Because I'll give you an example. If you had a scenario where 90% of the time you lost five units, but 10% of the time you won 500 units, if you blend that all together, you'd probably make more in the long run with that approach than, let's say, a 90% chance to make 10 units, right? Yes. So... I'm not saying that this is, if you're a professional better, for example, that, oh, this is the best profit on a positive EV basis opportunity. But what I'm saying is if you want to say, I'm going to bet uh, 25 bets in the next couple months and I want to have the highest chance of winning, I would make the case that Fezzik's WNBA is the number one option if that's your goal is to have a lockdown no there's no guarantees but a high probability win by the way last year you might think no way no way by the way last year Fezzik and the WNBA all picks 18 and 5 pretty good would you agree with that Fez that (laughs) if it if it were a situation that you're just looking to max your chance to profit over like 25 picks. Anything better than the WNBA? You know, the only other item that I came to mind was something that was props like NASCAR car driver matchups. But the liquidity in that market is even less to the point that there's just not enough liquidity there to release any kind of picks. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Do you bet those? I don't, but I know someone who does. And the liquidity is so bad, you can't even do, do you do you piggyback? I I can't even piggyback. He he's like, can you believe they put up the number of, of yellow flags at seven and a half? They're smoking dope. <laughs> I'm already a multi-millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fez! I I mean, the reason I was asking is I was like, holy cows! There's some sh- almost sure thing I'm not a part of. I would not have been okay with that. Showtime! Woo! All right, let's get to it. I'm going to read off a couple, not read, but I guess I have a little list here with three numbers. So I'll read from the list on the concepts, but I'm only going to spend about 45 seconds on each one. Cause if you don't care enough to listen to the whole pod, these are my three major takeaways or the, I think the three surface level takeaways. And then I have a fourth one. That's a little deeper. I want to get into and talk to the boys about it. Number one, boy, the NFL, listen, I appreciate the fact that they're billionaires. And, you know, I remember, I can't remember who wrote the book, but I read the book and they were talking about former president, Jimmy Carter. Now, you know, politically there's a lot of, especially if you're on the right, don't love Jimmy Carter back in the day, but he became president. He was a peanut farmer that became president. Got to give the guy some credit. 
He walked in the fellow's office and he said, I need your help with this charity. And the guy behind the desk says, well, how much? He goes, and I think this was the eighties. He goes, $5 million. And it was like, wow, I've never met this guy. He walks in, looks me in the eye and says, I need 5 million. And in a way that boldness, that, that, that uh, lack of shame, no shame in the game is one of the key traits. I think that leads to the real financial success, especially at the highest level. So you might say, and this is my adamant point, the NFL, the leagues in general made a bet. They bet against gambling, sports gambling, because they were involved heavily against the litigation, against the legislation from New Jersey. They spent millions of dollars fighting it. They lose. The NFL and the leagues, and let's just say the leagues, they're billionaires and they lost a bet and somehow they still want to get paid. <laughs> and to me, they're probably going to get paid. It just shows you, you know, it's a rigged system. And I hope the states have the political will to stand up to them because really, and I've done 25 media hits, including CNBC's closing bell on today on Tuesday and I'm going to get that video out there on my Twitter if you guys want to check it out I thought it went really well his Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas but in these media hits I've been asked well how much do you think the league's going to get and my answer has been tell me why they deserve anything and no one really has a good answer. This idea that, oh, if their actions are being bet upon, they somehow deserve something. B.S. I can bet on what color shirt uh, Chris Collinsworth's going to have on the Sunday night game. And does he deserve a, any cut of that? No. Um, so that's absurd. Now, the whole integrity fee, that we go so deep into that with Matty Holt. I won't even get into that. But I think the leagues would be making a huge mistake to couch the money they want in an integrity fee because then they become responsible for integrity. If something goes wrong, which is inevitable, then who, hey, the league's getting 1%. Why didn't they stop it? It'd be a huge mistake. And I met with a, and I, I don't want to mention the league, a specific league official, what's it been, about two, two and a half months ago, me and a, uh, one other fellow, and that's what I told him. You guys would be crazy to take responsibility for this. But again, who knows where that's going to go. The one place that I think it makes a little bit of sense is with the data. Because with the data, it's debatable if Vegas, especially once you get in an in-game, because you remember at the end of those TV broadcasts, you can't disseminate the descriptions or accounts of this game without the express written consent of the national football league. They want to control. Imagine that they want to copyright a description of the game. Oh, Tony Dorsett. Why Tony Dorsett? I don't know. Tony Dorsett ran for a 95 yard touchdown. Is that copyrighted? Seems crazy that it would be, but I can promise you this, especially if it's just one state, if it's Mississippi, if all the leagues together decide to collude and say, okay, 
we're going to file five separate or whatever number of lawsuits against them. And each one's going to cost them seven, eight million, perhaps about the data they're using. That could be, we can call it a nuisance, but when you're talking millions, it's more than a nuisance. So maybe you give the league a quarter percent for the data rights. Beyond that, though, I don't want the leagues to be paid for a, a losing bet. Number two, and it segues right into it, everyone's looking at this like, you know, I try not, listen, guys are guys, right? And I think this is probably a fair analogy. Most guys that's ever been around a college scene or even, let's say, a more mature high school, you know, let's say late high school scene, perhaps, maybe not, is there's a girl or two or three that just, they love love. We'll say that. They (laughs) love love. And what happens is, and I think a lot of people are going to be nodding here, though, if they're in the car with a wife, maybe not. They'll be like looking straight ahead and, you know, trying not to, they know they're being watched. But there's times when a girl who loves love hits a party where she shows up and it's like the murmur, Sally's here. And then every guy that thinks they have any chance at Sally's thinking, hmm, Sally's here. Right. So to me, true or not, Brad? Very true. (laughs) I think Brad's got a story. (laughs) No. Women weaken legs. But that opportunity, we'll call it, is what I think the league thinks, the state governments think. Who knows who else is going to be at the trough, right? Pork, as they say in politics. So I also think there's a risk that the pork guys are going to say, hey, we've got to get fat and happy. That's how we like to be. And oh, by the way, if you got to lay minus 120, who cares? These losers, these sports betting losers are going to lose anyway. Look at the lottery. They take 50%, take another third of that because if you don't, if you want it paid out immediately, then they take half for taxes. You get 17 cents on the dollar from a lottery win. Good for the schools, RJ. Yeah. But in, in, in the fact that lotteries are so popular means the states have been conditioned to believe, hey, it's not about value. It's not about Fezzik trying to get 107 from CanBet in Australia back in 2004. I'm sure you were betting a CanBet, right? Yeah, they asked <laughs> me not to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Way back when. So to me, there's a chicken in the egg to this. If it's clear to the states that you've got to be competitive with the uh, with the the online books with the barroom bookies, you know, the gray bookies, then the pie gets a lot smaller and it gets divvied up. If they think the pie is double or triple as big as it is, then the pork pie, then lo and behold, they're going to be divvying that pie up. But that pie won't be near as big as people think because the action, the handle will be way down if it's a minus 115 or minus 120. I actually don't think it'd be a down as down as we might think it would be, because I don't think most people even understand the difference between one ten and one. I mean, they vaguely understand. I gotta, you know, if I lose, I pay more. But you know, hey, in theory, going from one ten to one hundred five, 
obviously in a positive direction is a similar thing, but what percentage of batters fads? And I'm not talking about your professional buddies, all the guys with the knives out looking to slice (laughs) off everything they can, (laughs) but of everyone who's batting on a NFL Sunday week six in Vegas, everyone that makes a single batter more, what percentage of them would walk a half a mile? That's it. Walk to, to lay one Oh five. Less than 5%. I was going to say 10. Okay. So if, if they don't care that much about going from 110 to 105, how many people really care from 110 to 120? Now, maybe that's going to be the calculation that, hey, F. Fezzik, we don't care about his kind. We don't want his kind. We would rather make double as much money off of, and if you do the simple math, it's going to be a monopoly again, in theory, in state X or Y or Z. Now, in Jersey, they can bet with illegal bookies just like they can now. They will after they're in action. But if you say you can make double as much money, but 30% of people won't participate, well, that math seems like 1.4 to me. That sounds pretty good. So I, I'm scared of that. Time will tell. Last thing I'm going to say is, well, one last thing about competition, and I haven't heard anyone else say this. A vast majority of illegal bookies, gray market bookies, bet or accept book they book on credit. Whatever the setup up is, right? If you're betting a nickel game, maybe it's $5,000. People love the idea that they're not having a post up. Vegas has never... Even Vegas, after all these decades of active sports betting, you've got to post up everywhere, right, Fez? Is there any place you don't? Well, you can get markers, but it's so much easier to get a marker to play table games. It's like pulling teeth to get a marker to sports bet. Yeah, so just effectively, it's it's impossible for the average person. Yes. I mean, if some guy's drunk and he's playing 15000 a hand at blackjack, he says, oh, by the way, I want to bet ten. Um, college basketball games for 15 dimes a piece, they're going to give them a piece of paper, right? But it's effectively irrelevant. Unless you're Charles Barkley at the MGM, and then you might get in deep trouble giving him those bets. Well, that was Manly Bay, right? Manly Bay, yeah. I think it was even before it was an MGM property, wasn't it? I do not know. Yeah, but that's an interesting story you can check on Twitter. Um, or I'm sorry, check on Google for that. So to me, I here's what I'm saying that I don't I haven't heard anyone else say everybody that currently has a gray market bookie that's local where you're not worrying about Western Union and maybe it's an online but the, the distinction I'm going to make is you meet a guy and get paid or you meet a guy and pay him everyone that has that because I think if you're doing Western Union or anything that's more complicated maybe the friction's so high that the numbers go down but I think everyone keeps their gray bookies They've already proven and shown a willingness to do it. Bet gray, let's call it. And they're still going to be able to bet on credit, which they love. And then I think the ones who are more serious are going to get as many outs as they can. So that's, they'll get all the legal outs in town. So that's going to be growth. And then I think 20% of people who aren't betting now because the gray is too gray for them will get in action, but they're going to be hyper recreational. So I think the number of bettors grow about 20%. 
But I would say if I could know this accounting would be done right in Jersey, if you say, will the amount of gray area action go down even 30% where let's just say, let's use a round number. Let's say that a billion dollars was bet gray in Jersey last year. Will 700 million be bet in the 12 months after legalization? I would say over. So I, I don't think this hurts the, the, the gray bookies as much as people think because of the post up specifically. What do you think about that, Fez? You know, I thought that more people would gravitate towards it being legal, but most of that was new customers, RJ. I think there's a lot of dentists, lawyers, professional people exactly. that just don't want to do anything that's got any nebulous I legality. I agree with that. Um, but again, is that more than 20 or 30 percent of the, uh, you know, I don't, I think 30 is way high there of, of, you know, if there's a million people and I don't know if that's the right number in Jersey that bet last year, is there going to be more than another 200,000 coming in? And again, and let's set aside if someone makes five or less bets a year, if they bet the Super Bowl, bet final, I mean, it's still action, but effectively it's such a long tail. It's a tiny percentage of what's going on. But again, a lot of this is to be seen. Uh, the last two things I'll say, both in less than 30 seconds, is I think Vegas is in big trouble. I think Vegas has been fat and happy for a long time. I'm talking on the sports betting side. And I think William Hill is not really a Vegas book. It's a European book. And I think they might do mighty well. If anything, this was a beta test for them. Nevada to get their reputation up to figure out the U.S. market. I think they're going to do great. Um, I think CG Technology would have done great back when they were more ambitious. Now they're not, so who knows? And I'm talking about years since they've been fully ambitious. But otherwise, the I'll call it the true legacy Vegas books. <laughs> I mean, Maddie made a great point. He said, "See, you know, Caesars has gone up big in the market." And the reason being, they have so many properties throughout the country. That's going to be a built-in place for Caesar's book. So even if they run it relatively poorly, and I would make the case Caesar's is one of the worst. I, I wouldn't even say worst-run books. I would say least ambitious books in town. Would you agree with that, Fez? I agree strongly. Uh, they just It's an amenity for them. Even if it's just an amenity in Mississippi, or the many other places. Hey, it's a lot more places to make money. So I think they're going to do well in that regard. Just like if KFC decided they were going to ha- start selling cinnamon buns and they had KFC, you know, a little section of KFC that was that had you know cinnamon and express or something. To some degree, you're going to do pretty well. But the question is, how much better would Caesars do if they would let a A plus operator white label into there? And I think over time, you might be seeing that. I don't expect the Caesars of the world, the MGMs of the world to do anything ambitious outside of Nevada because they haven't done anything inside of Nevada. And if they try, I think they're going to fail. And when I was on CNBC, I talked a, a little bit about that. One of the things I really stressed was on Closing Bell was, what is the real differentiator when it comes to success on the internet or in mobile? Because that's where we're headed, mobile. It's where we are. It's user experience. It's the ability to build software. And to me, 
almost every book in Vegas is using the same software from Stadium Tech with a different skin on it. Not one of them has even made the effort. Or maybe there's one. I think CG might have done their own. I don't know if they reverted or not, but this was six, seven years ago. Reverted to Stadium or not, I'm not sure. But is like to even get an app launches beyond them. Forget the idea of that, that they build from the ground up. Forget the idea of that. We're talking about could they make something that could compete with Facebook? I mean, I don't know if Facebook would do it. It doesn't matter. But people that are as good at UX, user experience, as Facebook will start a company and within six months they're going to have a version of an app out there that everyone's going to say, holy crap, I can't believe I would be living without this. Then what happens? You can buy sports betting expertise. That's easy to buy. He's, he's, there's so many book, you know, bookmakers that are, you know, borderline competent that want a job that would love to run a book or run, you know, even a book across the country. So yeah, maybe the lines would be super square or, or consensus right in the middle, no opinion in them. You'd hate them, Fez, but it, it won't matter. It will be how easy it is to deposit money, how easy it is to do a parlay. So to me, I think that the the dirty secret here is the fat and happy sports book operators that are making four to six hundred K a year in Nevada hate this because their bosses upstairs are going to say, oh, oh, the market's gone up. We're expected to gobble up some of this pie. And I don't think they're up to it. Very last thing for me. And this is maybe the most important game. Corruption will decrease because of this. And anyone thinks otherwise, it's not making any sense. We talked about how the amount of actual betting won't go up all that much. The ones who will on board now that will start betting but didn't bet before are the most recreational batters. They're not fixing games. The dentist that was too scared to bet with the bookie isn't fixing games. <laughs> so everyone who would ever consider fixing a game is already betting. Thus, the question is, are they betting in a regulated market or an unregulated market? Because in an unregulated market, no one's watching. If the Chicago bookie feels like, oh man, why is there so much action on Toledo? What are they going to do? Call the FBI and say, you may not know me, (laughs) but I run a big bookmaking operation and I've received some curious action. No, right? But Vegas now has stopped a big ch- has 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 caught more than a handful of these corrupt bad actors because the actions monitored the greater percentage of actions that that is monitored the greater chance a game fixer a point shaver any corruption has of getting caught and the greater chance of getting caught the more deterrent there is from doing it. Look no further than the let it ride better that was just making winning bets without any inside information, but he hit the radar and I'm sure all the regulators were taking a look at what he was playing and imagine if he had had some kind of inside inf- information, some kind of point shaving, uh that would not have gone undetected for 12 straight bets. You know there's no one world can count this six deck shoot. They'd be watching the eye in the sky. All right. Let's get I'm RJ Bell, pregame.com, with Steve Fezzik, with Brad Powers. Mackie in the house. We'll see if he's got anything good enough. The mystery man, Mackie, the Jim Thorpe of pregame. All right, Fez, what is your number one takeaway 
from Independence Day, we'll call it. It's extra recreational money going into the pool, RJ, and that's got to be a good thing. Let's think about this. The more recreational bettors, the more dentists and doctors that are going to be possibly betting big on things, the more likely that they can dwarf betting one side what the pros are betting. Example, Mayweather McGregor. We saw everybody, all the recreational bettors betting on McGregor. We got great value with Mayweather. We might see that on many other types of bets if we can get enough recreational money from the East Coast, from Biloxi, Mississippi. Can you imagine if there was a Dixie Sports that only catered to people in Mississippi? You know, Brad, when we were talking about, <laughs> hey, Sally's here, yeah. Whisper, Whisper, Fez is like the one that is waiting for Sally to show yeah. <laughs> For him, the dentist, the dentist <laughs> are Sally. Kids stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine, right, jet flag, son of a gun. <laughs> And you're having a hard time keeping those alligators down. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brad, your number one takeaway. I actually have a different take on that. I'm concerned that all this extra recreational money is going to be flooded in the marketplace. Therefore, if you got extra money in the marketplace, what don't I need is maybe sharp money. I I need less of that sharp money because I'm getting it from these extra recreational betters. So I'm kind of concerned that multiple books are going to, you know, lower limits. I don't, I agree with everything you're saying except the very end. I don't think they lower limits because think about it. What does lowering limits do is it prevents people you don't want to bet a lot from betting a lot. William Hill is a good example. And again, we were talking about this at length with Maddie, Uh, the, the, the sharps, the disgruntled sharps that, uh, (laughs) that are struggling to pay their rent. And there's a lot of them out there, a lot of smart ones actually. And the difference between Fezzik and them might be a few brain cells, but boy, it's a big difference. We know that much. I am Elma J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. But William Hill is wildly successful. And the theory is that's a book that's going to be in a bunch of places. In fact, it's the first book out in Nevada that's going to open, right, at Malmouth. That's the way you say it? Two weeks away, I think. Yeah, so the, uh, what, Labor Day or Memorial, Memorial Day weekend? Yeah. So I guess my question is, why do they bother with a guy like Fezzik with his fake noses and his, his uh, wigs and trying to get down <laughs> bets and all that? Why are they going to bother? I think they need to recognize this isn't blackjack. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It, Fezzik's now telling the billionaires what they need to recognize. Listen up. Listen up. I can understand that someone sees me card counting and asks me not to play. It's not like I can just send Brad in instead to card count. Well, maybe after working with him for a couple of weeks. But in sports betting, I mean, a guy like Crackman, for instance, he's got, he knows like 20 people. They just keep kicking out another Crackman guy and income. Hey, well, and Crackman's crying online nonstop about it. But he could just so, send so another guy in. But, I mean, but then why is he crying so much if it was easy? I can promise you the very act of him crying is a sign that it's not working for him because he would just keep his mouth shut. If everything was going smooth, why would he want to ruffle any feathers? That's a good point. I mean, think about it. And maybe you're right. Ultimately, you can get that person in, but if it takes three times as much effort, how much friction is that? And ultimately, you need to have multiple people you can trust. And probably what happened is Crackman had a guy you worked with that maybe wasn't on the up and up and 
um, took well, office some and money. Let's not speculate. Yeah. Let's not talk about any individual. Who knows? I haven't knows? heard anything about. You haven't heard anything like I've that. I've heard nothing yeah. like this at all. So, but we know it's on the record that that happened to Billy Walters. And you want to talk about a guy? I wouldn't want to cross. It'd be Billy be at the top, one of the top of the list in Vegas. Well, I guess not in Vegas anymore, but in the last couple of years in Vegas. And there's just crazy people. There's people out there that are. <laughs> Dylan has a great song. It's on one of his uh, religious albums. It's called Slow Train a Coming. And it says, uh, it says she was a real suicide case and there was nothing I could do to stop it. There's people, we have no idea what their drug use is, what their mental state is. There's people that you know really well that you would lay minus a thousand aren't on the brink of, that are sitting there with the gun in their mouth at night. You don't know. Right, I don't. I'm looking at you, and I don't know. Well, you got to mention a yacht. You're fine, but but the fact of the matter is, if you're as big as Billy Walters, that six percent or whatever you lose is 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 uh, spillage, as they say, like at Walmart or whatever. If someone is stealing an individual, even a, a very uh, or well, relatively wealthy individual, you know, you, you get a, a fifty year bankroll taken one time. It, who knows what happens, uh, you know, with how that affects you in a year. So to me is the only reason to take sharp action is if you want the branding around it. And I think CG back in their cancers, Day did a good job with that. When Colbert was on all, every talking about, we'll take all the action it helped them get some attention. Right. I think that was a different era. I think now, Taking big bets will get you a little bit of Twitter love, but it's not going to help your handle all that much. I think if you, oh, it might help your handle as in you're taking those bets, but you're not going to get an ancillary benefit from it. Yeah. What I would do is I take. No, no, I'm, I'm not interested in what you would do. Open the Fezzik book. Like you're like a little, like an adolescent that's saying, daddy, why isn't the world like this? Why don't they love me even though my nose is really big? I mean, you should say, well, honey, they should. I don't care about that. I'm saying what way is the world? So my question is, if all you cared about was the bottom line, why would you take Sharp's action? I take half limits from them and get the information. I understand that's what you would do. He he had yeah, to say that. Yeah. There was nothing yes. that was going to stop him from saying it. <laughs> well, I truly feel that's the right answer. It, to maximize no one's profit. asking what you think the right answer is. You're not a billionaire. You don't own a book. These guys aren't, they, all this stuff is decimal point minutia to them. They don't care if you're at six and a half and the world's at six. So you're getting a bunch of dog action and you think the dog's going to win 51% of the time. And at plus uh, 110, that's great for you. They, that That's the small fry stuff. They just want to say, hey, can we make a deal with the NFL where William Hill's on their freaking jerseys is what they're thinking about. And again, no offense, because Fez, you're one of the, in my opinion, the smartest, sharpest batter I've ever met. And I've met a lot of them in 20 years. But you are very much like most people. You see things from your perspective. And the reality is that is, compared to a billion-dollar company, a small perspective. I mean, think about any company. If you think about Microsoft in 1990. Is if you said who loves Apple and who loves Microsoft, it would have been like every every guy that probably didn't have a date in high school, every insurance salesman was on the side of IBM, 
or in this case, I'm sorry, I'm thinking a generation back, Microsoft, and all the guys like Wozniak, and obviously he was one of the founders of Apple, but those types in the homebrew computer club, look it up if you don't know, they, they loved what the Apple was doing. And it's just like now is books will do things that you, that you just rave about. And those books are like, you know, a 20th as big as the retail giant. It's like people look at Walmart and say, oh, it's it's so impersonal. Come over to this hardware store and Fred will talk to you for 10 minutes, but he'll charge you 80 percent more. I'm not saying that's a bad choice if you want to do it. But what I'm saying is most people want uh, uh, scale. They want retail. They want about 20 bucks before the barbecue. You're right. And it's beyond naive for me to think that these multimillionaires are not running their book optimally compared to what I, as an outsider, am observing. Now, I think with if you did start a book and had the right business people around it, I think you could run a book. I'm not sure as well because he's probably the best in the world at it. And betting and booking are two different things. But Henry at Pinnacle, he ran a book the way you would, right? Well, yeah, and I always greatly respected the way he ran it. Oh, yeah, you and did. And copied it, basically. And you and you consulted for that. They paid you. you. Were you down there for a while? Yeah. How long? It was for just under two months. So you went down and were, you know, hanging. Now, did you talk with, how much did you interact with Henry? Uh, daily. He was sitting yeah. next to me. So could you, if you would have just, I've never met Henry. Uh, and, and for those who don't know, he's, he's a, I think genius is the right word when it comes to bookmaking. And that's where Pinnacle has been able to offer really tight straddles, you know, minus 106, minus 105, minus 105, and still make a great profit. And the best bettors in the world will look at their sheets at the end of the year, and it's like I won, you know, 14% ROI here, boom, boom, boom. Oh, wait, I lost a half a percent at Pinnacle. So in a typical 10-year uh, or let's say five-year period, you, if you just – if your action physic was just pinnacle action, how many winning years did you have? How many losing years? I would win every year, but that's so, against- well, hold on. You win oh. every year against pinnacle BS. No, let me explain. Myself. Oh, now he's backtracking. No, I'm not backtracking because <laughs> what? Because I'm smart enough uh, to, to know, know not my to limitations, them. not to bet against their closing numbers very much. But to bet against their opening numbers. Their opening numbers are not the best numbers in the world. You'd be That's shocked. Fine. That's You'd fine. be shocked. That's a, but you're right. They're not the best at everything. But would you agree? Because you know more day to day professional batters and interact with them than I do. Is that there's a lot of guys that's got 15 outs and they lose it two of them, let's say in a year. And pretty much every year, Pinnacle is one of the two losers. Yes, and I will go on a limb and say I probably lose against Pinnacle on just the bets that I make on game day in every major sport. But still, you still bat them, right? That's that, that could be a whole other podcast, <laughs> yeah. right? So, and, you know, that would be an interesting thing because I actually, Pinnacle's up at pregame.com. We got the free live lines on Pinnacle, and I think you can often use Pinnacle, and that's in the game center, in such an amazing way because what you can do is you can say, I have my outs, Am I betting right now if I execute on this bet a better number than I can get at Pinnacle? If so, bet it. If not, write it down in a notebook. And I'm guessing that pretty strongly at the end of the year, it probably take away 30% of your action, your, your volume, if you're a, a, a typical listener. But that 30% is going to be losing action, no matter if you have, not always, but mostly, even if you have great sources like Fezzik or Brad, 
providing you with the information. So because the the theory is, well, wait a minute, Pinnacle was willing to take this game at minus six, minus one oh five. And forget about it if you're lay, if you're laying worse than Pinnacle. If Pinnacle is at minus six, minus one oh five, and you're laying minus six, minus one ten, you are sunk. Did you have something on that, Fess? Sometimes Pinnacle is letting you bet at plus one oh one. And literally I could love a game, laying seven, and if Pinnacle has plus one oh one, I will not release it to my clients recognizing, hey, I'm not sure I can be Pinnacle getting plus 101. How are they going to win laying a dollar ten? I hear that your left pocket is empty. That's what would happen. That's what would happen. So, but to, to swing it back is I think you'd run a book, a variation of Pinnacle is no, hey, we're, ex- you know, we're exposed here, so let's be conservative. Here we can offer a line that's a half point off because I think this is the right side. And at plus 110, I know I'm going to do fine in the long run and I don't mind the swings. And and I think that's a viable business model. If you had a Fezzik, there might be 20 people in the world that could run a book like that. Why would William Hill create a business model where they would need one of those 20 people in the world where they have a business model that they don't need the physics of the, in fact, they have no use for the physics of the world because they don't even let you bet there. It's, it's a great point. So really what you're saying is that after I took the time to educate you on this, you agree with me and Brad. I could still make a money. A victim of the infamous Malachi crunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Good time. I didn't expect to go that long. I thought that was quite good though. Let us know on Twitter. If you like that kind of stuff, I mean, if we look at the listenership in the off season, it's been wonderful. So I think you do, but we always want to hear as we do things a little differently on a given show. Oh, RJ enough with Brad and the, and the five and a half back in Cleveland, though, <laughs> let's be candid. People love that or forget Mackie, send him back to California. I mean, whatever you want to say, just tell the truth. And we're very interested to hear it. Let's get into, and I'm going to start with the ACC. Let's do college football. All right, Brad, we do this every week, and we're going to do it all the way up through the start of football. I mean, just preview after preview, arming you not only for the season, but some of these preseason bets that there's so much opportunity. And by the way, every underrated team Brad is betting on, every overrated team he's betting against, and every ticket that he bets on him will be up in the pregame.com form so you can see every bet that he made. Give me your, let's start with Clemson. They're they're such the team. What's your take on Clemson? Clemson is the biggest favorite over any other team as far as disparity in any other conference in college football. Meaning, on a neutral field, I would have Clemson at least, at least nine or ten points better than the number two team in the ACC. No bigger disparity, not Alabama in the SEC or Ohio State in the Big Ten, Oklahoma in the Big 12. Biggest disparity in college football, Clemson and the rest of the ACC. Pure domination. Meaning, the best team, Clemson, against the second best team on a neutral, they'd have the biggest spread. Biggest spread, no question about it. And how much better are they than last year? About three points better than last year's team. Keep in mind, going back to last year, Clemson team that ended up making the college football playoff had no experienced quarterback, had to replace Deshaun Watson. Well, now they have a starter coming back, and he might not even be the starter come middle of the season. Kelly Bryant might get beat out by a better player. So therefore, Clemson more experienced at the all-important position. And defense line, RJ. This might be the most dominant unit I've seen in college football the last 10 years. There is a chance that wow. all, 
All four of their defensive linemen will go in the first and second round of next year's NFL draft. All four go in the first or second round. Brad, correct me if I'm wrong. We're getting value with Clemson because they lost to Syracuse last year, correct? Uh, to a certain extent, but uh, I mean, in Alabama being the overwhelming, you're getting value because Alabama beat Clemson last year, twenty four to six. So I don't think Clemson six seven to one as far as the futures price should be that far behind Alabama, who's getting traded like two to one or five to two as far as the futures market. I have Alabama and Clemson less than a point between one another as far as the power rating right now. We didn't prep for this, so if you need a minute or two, or a moment or two, and and don't let this music affect you. I'll start it once I ask the question. <laughs> if I said I'm going to give you $10,000 if your first team wins the title, 7000 if your second team wins the title, and 5000 if your third. So you're going to just give me your top three teams that you think have the best chance, number one, number two, number three, to win the title. How would it go right now? Alabama one, Clemson two, Ohio State three. Boy, that was easy. Georgia before. That's, oh, this guy's on it. That's a slam dunk, yeah. This guy's on it. No Jeopardy music for him. <laughs> Is, huh, Clemson 2, Georgia 4, Ohio State 3. And does that line up exactly with the future odds? Mm, close. Basically... Alabama's clear cut a f- favorite over everyone for like five to two or two to one. Georgia, Ohio State, or Clemson are right in that six, seven, eight to one range. And Georgia? Georgia, right in that like eight to one range for okay. most of their. All right, back to the ACC. Give me an underrated team. This is a team you won't be betting on every game, but you're, you're going to look to bet on in the preseason with things like over-under win totals, win the conference, etc. Syracuse is that underrated team. A Syracuse team that was right there. Fez already mentioned it. The Clemson's only loss in the regular season was to Syracuse. Syracuse looked like they were destined to get break through and get to a bowl game. What happened? Their quarterback, Eric Dungy, got hurt. In their last three games, Syracuse lost them by an average of 33 points per game. I look at before he got injured, they lost by nine on the road to LSU. Good team. Single digits against NC State. Good team. Check out the NFL draft. Single digits on the road in Miami. Three on the road at Florida State. Beat Clemson. This team was legitimately uh, an average to above average team before the quarterback got hurt. Eric Dungy's back this year. 14 returning starters. More, I would say, advantageous schedule. For the first time in five years, I think Syracuse goes over four wins as far as their season win total. I'm going to take anything at four and a half. Even five, I'm going over the total for Syracuse. So, Fez, you focus on the NFL. I know you haven't done a ton of work in college, but you are one of the best at finding the patterns of profitability. When you hear the Syracuse handicap, how does it resonate? Love it, because you got a program that historically was a borderline top 25 type of program, had some down years, and we're benefiting from that. Go back to the head coach and how he's motivating his players, a famous locker room celebration when they beat Virginia Tech a couple years ago. That was the greatest celebration ever. You could see his players wanted to run through a wall for him. Dino Babers being that head coach. Okay, Brad Powers continuing. This is an overrated team, a team you're looking to play against. And RJ, you're going to be surprised because ever since I moved to Vegas, one team I probably bet on more than any other. What, what is that team, RJ? Oh my God, Florida State. Florida yeah. State. Florida State. That's all oh, you heard. They could win it. They're the best. Oh, they're, they're si- oh man. Don't make me play banana. the banana song. <laughs> I know I'll have to play it before the end. I'm going to wait. 
<laughs> See, this is what happens. Yes. He's got he's lowering the bar. <laughs> he parked. Ah! <laughs> and Florida State six and three, but they're the best team in the country. Okay, go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> but this year, I think over, yeah. Florida State's overrated. And here's why. Basically, who they play. I mean, Florida State's got one of the toughest schedules in the entire country. Don't believe me? How about non-conference? Florida and a road trip to Notre Dame. Then you look at in the conference, Florida State pulls the two best teams from the other side of the division, Virginia Tech and Miami. That's a negative. They'll be a home underdog to that dominant Clemson team and have to play the two other teams. Florida State's fighting for second in their side of the division. Louisville, NC State, both on the road. And a new head coach, Willie Taggart, usually doesn't get off to strong starts. In fact, his previous three stops, how about a combined record of 11 and 25 in his first year? Florida State under eight and a half wins. Good stuff from Brad Powers. And we've got, let's talk Miami of Florida because I think there's so much interest. Yeah, and if you remember from our conversations, many of them last year, Fezzik and I were against Miami for most of the season. And Miami exceeded our expectations, went 10-0 and 0 with what happened in their last three games. That was the last time we remember watching Miami, they lost their last three games. Got killed by Clemson, got outright upset against Pittsburgh, lost in their home field against Wisconsin in the bowl game. I think that creates some value and at least makes Miami motivated. Hey, we were just close to getting there last season. I think that motivates them in the offseason workouts. And I love Miami's schedule. I talked about Florida State benefiting or not benefiting from you know the cross-division opponents. How about Miami? They do not play Clemson, do not play Louisville, do not play NC State from the other side of the division. Get Florida State at home. Miami, 14 returning starters. I think Miami's season win total 9.5. I think they'll be favored in 10 or 11 games. I think it's a 10-2 and two caliber team, Miami, this year. Now, let's be explicit about something. How good a team is is one factor. The path to win a conference, path to make the playoffs, whatever you're betting on, path to win over under a certain number of games, that's a second factor. So when I hear, let's go back to Florida State, is when I hear you talk about them, is it, what percentage of your pessimism is about how they're overrated as a team, and what percentage is that we're under-considering how difficult their schedule is? 75% is uh, the schedule portion. I, I, if power rating, difference between Miami and Florida State, maybe two points. Miami's a, a, a number 12 or 13. My power ranks for state might be 17 or 18. All comes down to schedule as far as I'm concerned. So I think as we continue this, and again, it's an on, it's a learning experience for us to get better and better. I think you really identify and say, Hey guys, here's the schedule. And that's going to affect any season long bets, but really you wouldn't be so angry. If I, if I said, Oh, I, I'm going to just bet against Florida State every game this whole year blind. Obviously, that's not going to be smart anyway. But if you told me a team that was way overrated and it was all about the team and not the schedule, you might say, hey, you know, if I had to blindly bet against any team, it would be that one. Florida State, though, on a game-by-game basis, you might end up betting them in in week two or week three. But looking at the season... Correct. Couldn't have said it better. So I think that's an important distinction because we tend to blend that stuff. And the question I asked last, going back to last week's podcast, where I wasn't buying the Rams, Fez correctly said, hey, this is a pure power rating, has nothing to do with the Rams schedule. I was pointing out, hey, the Rams schedule, I don't see this team winning 10 or 11 games this year like the, the rest of the market's thinking at this point. Check out the big brain on Brad. All right, guys, Brad is producing that content all through the spring. 
no days off. Well, unless he goes back girl hunting on the farm <laughs> for fives, <laughs> for fives, <laughs> Cleveland fives, <laughs> Ugh, more like Vegas twos. <laughs> hey now, now <laughs> on Twitter, it's at Brad Powers seven. Brad Powers, P O W E R S, the number, the mysterious seven. Check it out. You said you had something fast? I think there's a key distinction in scheduling between the NFL and college football. The disparity between co- collegiate teams and their schedules is astronomical. In the NFL, we talk a lot about strength of schedule, but compared to college, it's a tighter band. Real tight. And, you know, great point there and difference. We just talked Florida State, Miami. Florida State, number two nationally as far as schedule strength in my early ratings. Miami, 55th. So huge discrepancy and disparate results there. Good stuff, Brad. Excellent. This guy knows his college football, no doubt about it. And, Fez, I think your point about college schedules, it's even more the case since these teams have split or these conferences have split into divisions with Wisconsin being a great example last year. Don't play Ohio State. Don't play Penn State. Get Michigan at home. I mean, uh, very advantageous. Up next, Fezzik is giving his number six through number 10 NFL team. I love Jimmy G. We'll see (laughs) if Jimmy G's there. First, though, a quick break. Dollar Shave Club. Guys, I got to be honest. I know I mentioned it, but I had a really potent experience on CNBC today. And the reason was, one, the segment went well. And, you know, as much radio as I've done, it's funny. When Colin was on ESPN, our uh, wise guy grades on at noon on Friday, noon Eastern on Friday. Wow, what a slot. There was estimates we had a million people listening to us. And initially I was nervous, but soon enough it was like, hey, I got this. And though I've done, I don't know, 30 or so national TV hits over you know a decade, so not, you know, you only need to do three a year, do the math, is I still get nervous every time. So when I do a good TV spot, uh, you know, I'm always happy about it. But to me, this was special because it wasn't, ESPN. It wasn't Fox. And I love ESPN. I love Fox. I love the sports channels. It was a financial, the financial channel. And to me, if we can find a way to convince the CNBCs of the world, and there's only one of them that, hey, monitoring the Vegas market, but in this case now the national sports betting market, yeah, it's not going to be 24 hours a day, but could it be 10 minutes a week? On a certain show, let's just say that uh, the uh, I think some interest has been tickled and it's something that excites the heck out of me. Now, that segues into Dollar Shave Club. Why? Because I can promise you, you don't go on national TV with stubble. Now, I'm a stubble guy. I like it. I think, let's be candid, it makes me look tough. But what, what what's the laughing? <laughs> but... And unfortunately, now at 47, I have to, if it goes more than a couple of days, I have to go look and see if any grays are sprouting out, which not my hair so much, but my, you know, on the beards that happen sometimes. Faz, when you, when you had the beard, you were like, you look like Santa Claus once, right? You're but not, somehow, but somehow your hair is, is jet black. You're 47? Yeah. I know. That's shocking. I would have taken the under. <laughs> but the fact that, thank you. But the fact of the matter is, 
I'm, I'm, I'm really confused. Your hair's jet black, but one time you had a goatee and it looked like Brian Blessing. My wife puts like two bottles of dye in me <laughs> on a weekly basis. Now, did she, did she, did she force you to do that? Like, would she divorce you if you said, I'm letting it go? She doesn't even ask. I'm like working on the computer, like in a poker term. I can't get up and she just stuffs a towel on me and like pours it. <laughs> the stuff is so much so RJ that I might have slight brain damage from it. <laughs> Women weaken legs. <laughs> But you don't go on TV, gray or not, with a beard. And today, I had all the accoutrements, as they say, of the Dollar Shave Club. And and I'll be honest with you, when you get into that routine where you've got the gel, you know, you got the right thing to soften the beard, you got the, uh, you know, obviously a really sharp razor. And to me, that's the thing. When you've got a razor that isn't sharp, it is a nightmare. It's a, We're going to get Mackie in the mix. Mackie, you shave, do, do you ever, like if you're home on the weekends, you're not coming in the office, do you take a day off or you shave every freaking day? No, I take days off. You do even for the office? Yeah. Now on day, let's say it's been, uh, let's say you shave Monday morning, now it's Tuesday at lunch. Does it look like a five o'clock shadow or does it look like, like, man, this guy hasn't shaved? Shadow. Mine doesn't come in that fast now. Okay. <laughs> you think when you grow up it might? I like how you said that. I think that was a perfect way. You to know put what's it. funny when you're <laughs> he is twenty nine. It is you know what's funny is when you're a kid. Remember, I'm sure Brad, you had this experience. Like you know, in eighth grade, a guy's got a mustache, and the guys are like jealous that he. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then once you get to be, you know, where you have to shave if you're, you know, if you have a an office environment, sometimes every day. Then it's like, man, I wish I didn't have to shave yeah. every day. Well, my, you know, I'm not judging my manhood versus Mackie's, but I, if I don't shave even for one day, you can tell. I mean, again, we all know what that means, but okay. Is <laughs> Brad, quit making me laugh like that. But I'll tell you this, and, and, and I'm being 100% serious. When it's easy... It's easy. You know, that's actually good. When it's easy, it's easy. If you if you need to shave or if you benefit from shaving with the ladies at work, when it's easy, it's easy. And it's easy with Dollar Shave Club. And here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just five bucks, you can get their daily essentials starter set. It comes with body cleanser, one wipe Charlie's, their world-famous shave butter. And man, a sharp razor in that shave butter, maroon, perfect. And their best razor, the six-blade executive. Keep the blades coming for a few more bucks a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need. Check it all out, dollarshaveclub.com slash dream. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash dream. The slash dream gives you that bonus. You can't get that $5 special without it. And listen, guys, it's free. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, you, you got to go and get Dollar Shave Club. Or we're going to start charging for the pot. Probably not. But I'll tell you this, our ability to put the time and effort into it that we do, you know, our ability to generate some revenue from it is vital. So if you love the pod and have any inclination to check out Dollar Shave Club, five bucks Obviously not much. 
you're obviously getting more than $5 of value of, of products. So think about it. Use dollarshaveclub.com slash dream. You get more than $5 worth of stuff and two other pieces of value. You have a chance you're going to find out you're going to love it. Two things can happen. One, you love it. Well, not only do you get the five bucks of stuff or more than $5 worth of value for five bucks, but now you got a future of value that you like. Or worst case, you don't love it. You don't sign up. You still got more than your $5 worth. And you found out that, hey, this isn't for me. And lastly, you help out the dream preview. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. We're back. All right, Fez. Give us quickly. I don't want a bunch of talk about it. You can go back to last week's dream. Five through one. Give us what you gave us last week. NFL. Number one, New England Patriots. Number two, the Eagles. Number three, a tie between Minnesota and the Rams. Number five, RJ, your Pittsburgh Steelers, even with Tomlin as a head coach. And we had some deep dives on this. Now we're going to go from 10 to six. Number 10. Number 10. Jimmy G, San Francisco. I love Jimmy G. <laughs> the reason I only had him number 10. I love Jimmy G. <laughs> I hate to like say anything but great things about Jimmy G, but I'm a little worried. I love Jimmy G. <laughs> about that cupcake schedule at the end of the year where they beat the Bears. They beat Houston without, obviously without Watson. And then they beat Jacksonville and they beat the Rams. And neither one of those playoff teams really needed that game. Maybe San Francisco, I might have been leaning towards overvaluing them. That's why they're number 10, not number eight. Now, if we look at the Super Bowl futures, we look at over under win totals. Where does San Fran uh, fall right now? Like, what is the, the, the market opinion on Jimmy G? They've got him pretty much where I've got him right now. Number 10, now, right around there. I would disagree in the following way. I think on the win totals, you're right. I think on the future odds, which is a square pool of money, they're even higher. That's a good point. They're very much a public team. So really what you're saying is your love of Jimmy G is square. Could well be. Here's the good news, Faz. As Woody Allen once said, the heart wants what the heart wants. <laughs> Number nine. Number nine, Jacksonville Jaguars. And the reason they're only number nine, RJ, I think they really benefited from playing in that division with the backup quarterbacks, just a couple scores. They beat Indianapolis 27 nothing and 30-10, to and they beat Houston 45-7. to Those are three beatdowns against backup quarterbacks that certainly skewed their stats. So if every team in the league had a robot quarterback who was the exact same robot, so in theory, long term, everyone's quarterback play is going to even out. Where's Jacksonville one to thirty two? Wow, I'm looking at everyone above them. I think Jacksonville could well be number one. 
You think other than quarterback, best team in the NFL? They're right. Who's in the conversation? Philadelphia? You know, Minnesota. Minnesota? Minnesota. Rams? I think Minnesota number one. Rams right there as well. Absolutely. Okay. So this is really what you're saying by saying nine is that, hey, their quarterback's not horrible, but Bortles is is a, uh, he's a drag. He's a what? He's a drag on their um, ranking. Yes. And if there's winds of 20 miles an hour or more, he is a anchor on this team and will sink them. Now, we had we didn't do it last week, but let's do it this week. Let's really quantify where your ranking is. To the, well, we did last week, too, because Steelers, you had lower than most. Where's Jacksonville right now in the win total sequence? You know, I got to tell you, I'm pretty much in line with the marketplace on most of these teams. Okay, so let's make a point when you're not to talk about that distinction. Okay, so 10, 9, now 8. Eight Green Bay, and I've got Green Bay lower than the marketplace. The marketplace has this as a 10-win team. I'm worried about Aaron Rodgers. Broken collarbone 2013, broken collarbone 2017. Do I expect he's going to break his collarbone again this year? No. Is it going to impact his play, and will he scramble less? May well be. If he doesn't have that mobility, I don't think Green Bay is a 10-win team. And that's a fascinating concept that, I mean, quite frankly, you don't hear much is it's not just what you can do or can't do due to age and injury, but it's what you're willing to do. And I think especially with running quarterbacks, that's a factor. We talk about that with Cam Newton all the time as well. 10, 9, 8, 7. 7. Atlanta Falcons. You know, I'm worried maybe they should be even a little bit higher. They had that Super Bowl hangover, and let's face it, no team had a tougher loss than Atlanta when they lost to New England in the Super Bowl. And typically teams that lose in the Super Bowl have down years, and they still had a pretty darn good year last year. They almost Remember, beat Philly. Yeah, I mean, inside the 10 with four plays, what was the end game on that? Pick them. It was pick them. I mean, they 50-50 on the road to beat the Super Bowl champion. Yes, and given that, boy, maybe I should be raising them. The reason I didn't is they struggled so much in the red zone last year, and until I see that they can fix that problem, I'm going to keep them out of the top five. Now, the red zone is one of those stats that sometimes we think it's luck, and thus when a team seems to be suffering from red zone inefficiency, we're thinking let's play on them because that's going to even itself out. At other times, we can say we identify a reason they're doing well or poorly in the red zone or with turnovers or with close games. Those are, I think three of the main, like, Hey, if you're uh, an outlier in these areas, it can mean one of two things where the Patriots usually are not random with net turnovers because Brady throws so few turnovers, right? But with a lot of teams, turnovers are pretty much random. So in this case, what is it about Atlanta I think the initials are OC. What is it about Atlanta that makes you think that the red zone problem is a repeatable or a problem that likely will repeat itself? Well, I think it just kept recurring questionable calls in the final minute leading up to the Eagles loss on fourth down. The uh, Matty Ryan rolling out, throwing it to double team Julio Jones. If he was 12 feet tall, he would have caught it. And, you know, Twitter's blown up. What are they doing? Another bad call by the OC. And I got to see that corrected. Okay, so we did 10, we did 9, we did 8, we did 7, 6. 
six. And I got to tell you, RJ, I don't want you to get mad at me, but New Orleans, I have at six. They are so close to Pittsburgh. Maybe. Why would I be mad? Maybe they should I think go the to Saints five. are underrated. Yes. And uh, bottom line is their D is getting so much better. Remember, they had Ryan as their defensive coordinator. He was horrible. Under Dennis Allen, here's some quick numbers. He had about 476 points in 2015. That's horrible. 454 points 2016. That's bad. 326 points last year. If they continue to show improvement, this could well be a team that's going to the Super Bowl. However, Drew Brees in January turns 40. That's the only reason they're not in my top five. And the theory is, and we saw it with Manning, it's not like you go from 100% to 95 to 90 to 88. It's It would seem in today's NFL you drop off a cliff as a quarterback, where two years prior, so Manning had his last year, he had his minus one year, he had his minus two year. That minus two year, so two two years prior, was maybe the best season in NFL history of any quarterback. Two years later, he was in the bottom quarter of the league, Peyton Manning. So... Your fear is at the age Breeze is the drop. Ha- when it does happen, it happens fast. Yes, but you know it's likely to happen during the season. I was questioning my rating because I'm thinking maybe I should rate the the Saints higher to start the season, and then Breeze probably regresses during this year. Boy, that is. Ooh, I like what you're saying, and I'm going to explain why in a second. Age, injury prone, it's something that gets worse and worse as the season progresses. And it really is analogous to the conversation, Brad, we were having. Are we handicapping this team about their performance during the year? There's really three levels to this. A team's performance during the year in one loss record. So what are the factors? The factor is how good they are now. I'm going to actually write this down as I say it. How good now? How good across the season? As in, is this a team that's going to get better? Is this a team that's going to get worse? Oftentimes in college basketball, we see the young teams get better. Teams with coach, new coaches tend to get better. Old teams tend to get worse. So how good are they now? Game one, right? How good across the season? And lastly, how good is their results going to be, which is the combination of across the season plus difficulty of the path? And I love that. That's strong. Yeah, that. thank you. That is, and again, you guys help inspire. I mean, the great insight helps me create these frameworks, so kudos. But in a way, you got to be very specific. If you're betting a team in game one, only, you know, something matters. And there's a lot of teams. Fast, there's usually two or three teams a year that you're you are pessimistic with on the year, but you're not looking to fade in week one or two. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. then you got to be willing to check your ego at the door. You might change your opinion completely. You know, the poster child for that is you know Kurt Warner and the Rams when they won the Super Bowl. Last thing I'll say about this the the Saints specifically is you can tell sometimes by a draft what a team's mindset is. So in a way you could say Steelers maybe eh, they're not as all in for this year as you might think because they draft a quarterback in the third round and they trade up a few spots for him. Now, Big Ben hasn't responded well to that. Why? Because he's saying, hey, 
Guy in the third round can help us win this year. This guy's not going to help us win. Because if I go down, we're in trouble anyway. He's right. But now do you give up a quarter of a win? I don't even know if that's the right number. I might be even high. Now, for a 15% chance of having a franchise quarterback in three years, probably the right number. I would, because I'm sick of Big Ben. I lo- <laughs> Listen, I I am very ambivalent about Big Ben, meaning the guy I was I, the, the only Super Bowl I've ever been to was the one they won against Arizona. People forget they were third in like 12 in their, uh, you know, on their own 25. There was a holding penalty. It was like second and 20. That job could have ended easily. And Big Ben, I mean, man, oh, man, he's a man. He is a man. And I've seen Big Ben's ankle go and touch his calf. And you're thinking, is he out for one year or two years? And he comes back and plays on one leg. I mean, I, I've seen him. I mean, literally couldn't walk playing an NFL game. He's the toughest quarterback I've ever seen, but he's a baby, <laughs> you know, when it comes to the emotional stuff. I mean, it makes sense, but I like the idea that where he's now talking about five years because they've got it. I think a fire under his butt makes sense. But what did we see from the Saints? We saw that they were trade. They made a trade that almost everyone thought was absurd to get a rush end. And what Mike Lombardi, or an edge rusher, what Mike Lombardi said was, and and obviously the Saints coach is a disciple of Bill Parcells, and he said that Parcells has a methodology where he makes three lists, as in, and this might not be the exact terminology, these are players that we can't go, these are improvements, not specific players, but we got to improve in this area, and if we don't, we can't win. It's a must-have Want to have, like to have, right? And obviously the like to have is the least important. They identified Peyton. They must have a rush edge rusher. So they trade up. Uh, and if you look at the chart, it was a bad trade. They gave up number one pick. But if their goal is to win a Super Bowl this year or next year, it was a good trade. Not only is the addition of that player a telling sign, but I think it speaks to what the psychology of this team is. We and and the fact they had that, I mean, is gut wrenching strong enough? Loss. It's like a, a team. I could see a team on a mission with the Saints. But he used the pass rush on that final touchdown pass to Diggs, also. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Pregame.com. I'm RJ Bell. That was Steve Fezzik. In my opinion, the best NFL handicapper in. The world. You can follow him on Twitter at Fezzik Sports, F E Z Z I K. That's at Fezzik Sports, F E Z Z I K. I love Jimmy G. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little NBA. Now, we're recording here at the pregame.com offices in Las Vegas, and it is uh, 6 48 on Tuesday night, day after Independence Day. And the Cavs are up by seven at halftime. Game two. So let's accept this looks like a competitive game right now. Obviously Cleveland has a better chance to win. We're not going to talk about any of that. Rather, we're going to talk about the fact of what we saw in game one and net net. This has been a competitive game and a half. And even if Cleveland pulls away, I think that if there's been any question about, Oh, can the Celtics play with the Cavs? That's already been answered. Agree, disagree. I agree. Any other thoughts? 
<laughs> I think Boston, regardless of whether they win game two or not, I think Boston's going to win the series. And I think it's all about the fact that Cleveland's defense just isn't very good. Boston's going to get their points. They're playing very well. The question is, can Cleveland outscore them? And it goes back to Brad Stevens. We've been touting him all playoffs long as far as matchups, X's and O's. And I think he's got the right guys to be able to put on LeBron, obviously Morris, but he can rotate in other guys. And he also, in game one, was able to neutralize this Corver love pick and roll stuff, basically saying, you know what, Kyle Corver, you're not going to beat us getting open looks from three land. And I think that those were two tremendous defensive adjustments that they made. That Cleveland offense, which was so good against Toronto, was bad game one. On straight out of Vegas... Straight out of Vegas, Fridays at 11 p.m. to midnight. Saturday starts an hour earlier, 10 to midnight. That's Pacific Time Fox Sports Radio, me and Cofield. And speaking of Cofield, no bet on it this week. We're doing that Preakness pod. That will be out Friday morning, Crack of Dawn, Preakness pod. And Dave Esler with his MLB overrated, underrated free pick on Friday also on that special pod. Um, to me, I said, I want to bet against the Cavs in this series when I question LeBron's motivation. I didn't question his motivation in game one. I thought he'd want to make a statement, right? He had, a, had some good time off after a sweep. What exp- I mean, can we look at that and say, oh, it was, and I get the three-point shooting was bad, but beyond the three-point shooting, do you feel like, now this is a different question. Do you feel like LeBron played hard? I did. Okay. So this is just a matter of Stevens did some good stuff and Cleveland shot poorly. Yes. This is the last thing I'll say about Stevens. I think it chess. And again, Fez is a better chess player than me. He was a, uh, a little, uh, would you say a little chess champion as a child? State runner-up in high school. State run. What grade was it? High school. So of all, but were you a senior? Junior. And then how'd you do your senior year? I actually skipped it because what other commitments? What could that? It wasn't a date. No, of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course not. No, I had I had some. Tests. I am a professional yeah. predictor. No date. Okay. <laughs> a part of it was I was the seventh seed as a junior year, and I was going to be the sixth seed as a senior year, and the guy who who won it was a master and I was a class a, he was so much better than me. It would have taken a miracle for me to have been able to compete with him again. But why not just get runner up? I'd already gotten runner up. Boy. Why not? Your pa- now, did, your, did your parents get upset about that? Not at all. Really? Permissive. Permissive. <laughs> now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what were the other commitments? I think I had a test I had to take for one of these AP, APs. Our, our team had just finished fourth in the state, and, and frankly, we had overachieved, and we were on such a high. I didn't want to go there and um, probably underachieve my performance the prior year. I, I frankly didn't spend as much time on my chess senior year versus junior year also. But not because of dates. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lee, listen, no one can say Fezzik is not honest. <laughs> no one can say he's <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to chess. Is if a player has a clear weakness, a superior player can just destroy him. So 
if and and again what so right now if you had to guess you're what a two thousand on the Elo probably down to like a seventeen fifty I was peaked at twenty one hundred was that in your junior year or was it after I was after okay so let's say you as a twenty one hundred play like a you know a fourteen hundred it's not about you winning you know eighty two percent of the time. You're gonna win ninety nine percent of the time, right? I'll play, yeah, I'll play wimpy. I won't or or, or draw. But in the, the games that have a win and a loss, you're gonna win a vast majority. And I'm not gonna take any risks. I'm gonna play very boring, and I'm just gonna squeeze them because I don't want there to be any tactical melees I could miscalculate. But if you were playing someone that was a nineteen hundred, you're clearly better than. It's a very different game because you're gonna win more than you lose. But you guys are you know, that nineteen hundred doesn't have a clear weakness. Compared, compared to, to you, right. exactly. Yeah. And this is the same thing with a, a 2900 or whatever with uh, Magnus Carlsen versus a 2600, right? You know, that 2600 has no chance or whatever. I, I think that's about right. Here's my point. I think Steven's coaching edge shows itself so much more against teams that are flawed. And it's funny, you might say, well, isn't every team but a great team flawed? No, I think a team can be, you know, if you look at the Spurs teams, let's say some years they went to the conference finals, they weren't necessarily flawed teams, but rather they just weren't good enough, which is actually two different things. Whereas LeBron is as good as any player or certainly any player today, but the team itself has some, you know, if it's defensive, it's it, this guy can't shoot from the corner, whatever it is. And this is what Belichick does. Belichick can take your weakness and make you pay for it more than an average coach can. And I think Cleveland has a lot of weaknesses as great as LeBron is. I think against a normal coach, the weaknesses are not exploited as much. I think if Boston does make it to the finals against Golden State, which right now is clearly favored over Houston after the first game, is I think Golden State's going to win because they're the better team in that case. But I think Stevens will be so much less effective because Golden State's not flawed. So not only will Golden State win because they have better players, but because of their lack of having a really difficult to overcome flaw and Stevens won't have much to exploit. It's a great point because Stevens was able to steer the games against the 76ers in a certain direction. He was able to, he should be able to steer these Cleveland Cavalier games in the direction that exposes many of the flaws of the Cavs golden state. I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? The guys who just say, you know, these guys are great. You know, we, our guys did the best we could. He's the one, he's the only RJ bell. All right. Houston. And Golden State, boy, I'm catching some heat. Cause I now let let's be clear, let's be specific. Where I landed on straight out of Vegas is I was gonna was 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 gonna bet Houston once they gained momentum, and I defined that as winning the first game, which they didn't. I defined that as winning the second game if they lose the first. So if they win the first, the second game, I will bet Houston in the series. Or if they go down 0-2 and they win the next two, which would be very unlikely, I would bet them. So meaning at the point you could say Houston's confident. And we can debate if they're confident if they win game two or not, because you could say it still was a split. But I think the, the love of Golden State's was high enough, and it went through the roof after game one. 
So the heat I'm taking is I'm I'm not so sure Golden State's so much better. Fez, you watch game one. Is Golden State so much better? First of all, you shouldn't be taking any heat because no one has gotten more NBA series and games correct than you, RJ, including plus 425 underdog wins. So that's ludicrous that you'd be getting any. Yeah, I have felt, I've, I appreciate that. And I've really felt like I've had a good handle on the NBA. So thank you. Uh, what do you think? How much more impressed are you from uh, Golden State's game one performance? Well, I upgraded Golden State half a point and I lowered Houston half a point. So got Golden State two points better. The marketplace made a much bigger adjustment. Think about the series odds. We had Golden State. We were talking about how it was going to be close to pick them for a while, about a month ago. Then it became Golden State minus 200. They win one game. I know it was on the road. And now they're minus 600 to win this series. A crazy adjustment. And that's... So what's a a typical minus 200 goes to what after one win? And remember, it'd be a win on the road. Road win, make it like minus 350, but like minus 600. My goodness, that's an enormous adjustment. I think part of it, RJ, is that James Harden actually played statistically a pretty darn good game, a high shooting percentage. Remember, he hadn't shot 50% in nine straight games. He hits 14 out of 24, and his teammates let him down. My number one take is I'm worried about this ISO ball, this isolation that Harden's so good with that he goes ahead, gets a, you know gets a pick, drives to the bucket. If they collapse on him, he can throw it up to Capella, and it leaves the other players just standing around. They went 11 for 37 game one. Now is that just an aberration? They missed a lot of easy shots, or is it something that we got to worry about going forward? They played 90 games, now they just played one bad one. Maybe I'm overreacting. Yeah, because, and I think this is something that we need to do when there's a something that happens that's pretty much happened all year, which is, what's the new information, right? Ben Simmons, we had this discussion, not a great shooter. After the 76ers loss, I heard a lot of people talking about how bad of a shooter Ben Simmons is. What did, did that surprise us? So my question is, are you surprised that Houston played iso ball? They played more. Than I expected, and they played sl- more. Did they play more than they did during the regular season? Yes, yes, significantly more. And they played slower than they did during the regular season, almost like they were being too careful as they were taking the ball up and the like. It was not the Rockets' pace that I had seen earlier in the year with the shot clock winding down in some possessions. And that's why I want to see them get some confidence because once they, I think there's a mental block here, and and we saw it with Toronto. Once they lost that second game, you know, even the first game, I think if Toronto wins the first game, who knows what happens in that Cavs series. Any other thoughts on Golden State Houston? I Let me set the stage a little bit. Boston was a one-and-a-half point underdog in game one against Cleveland. Boston won, looked great. Typically with a zigzag, you would say the team that lost has greater momentum. You would expect the line to go to Cleveland two or two-and-a-half. Agree? Yes. The line went to Boston favored by one. You could make the case, let's just say two, that it was a three point. Now, again, going through Pickham isn't quite. So let's call it a two and a half point adjustment in Boston's favor. That was the market saying, wow, what we saw from Boston impressed the heck. We got to reevaluate how good Boston is. Do you agree that's what the market in the game one versus game two said? 
Absolutely. And I think the marketplace saw that series against the 76ers and they said, you know, Philly didn't play very well. Simmons had this in his head that he just had lost his confidence. And now after they crushed Cleveland, I think the whole market is saying, you know what? Maybe Boston's a lot better than we thought they were. Now here's the flip side. As good as Houston looked, as much as there was the oversized adjustment to the series odds, Houston was a one and a half point favorite in game one. And they're a one and a half point favorite in game two. Now the zigzag assumes they should gain a half a point or a point. But if anything, it seems like the adjustment would only be, let's split the difference, say 0.75. I think um, it's right where it should be in that the zigzag. Well, I didn't ask that. I'm saying, do you agree that, that they made the market made a monster adjustment to Golden State in the series, but not really a monster adjustment on the game by game basis? That's a great point. I agree. Yes. Why do you think that is? I think it's a square square people betting this, but are square people betting the series relative? Because that seems square to jump so much. I think the betters feel that if the series goes seven games, six or seven games, and it's close, that they're not confident that Houston's going to be able to have the mental fortitude and the experience to win a close series, but that there was many mm. that felt they so could winning win a five. random winning a random game. Houston's in the mix put the, the the pressure of actually winning an elimination game against Golden State, that, that's harder than you would think by just looking at the seven games. Yeah, I think if it went seven games, Houston would no longer be favored, even though that they performed evenly against Golden State. I think Golden State would come the In a game favorite. seven. Yes. Wow, so that's such a fascinating point, because in theory, if I put, if we projected the line on all seven games, put it into a simple algorithm that you could do in Excel, you could convert the line to a money line and then into a juiceless win percentage and then say, okay, what's the odds considering the chance of winning game one is 55%. Game two is 55. Game three is 38. Whatever the math is, you could come up with, here's your chance to win the series with some, not simple, but some, you know, senior level arithmetic uh, or math. Agree with that? Agree. Senior in college. Ab- absolutely. And I think that the betters are but, forecasting that Golden State's chance of winning these games is going to go up as the series progresses. So you've got game lines equal series price in many cases, but in some cases it doesn't if there's other factors. And in this case, the market thinks there's other factors on Golden with that favor Golden State. As we go deeper in the series, yes. What do you think of that, Brad? Powerful stuff. I I never even thought of that, ever. That's why we're here, baby. Yeah. That's why we're here. Any closing NBA thoughts, Fez? None. All right, good stuff. Fezic Sports, as we said. Now, we're going to talk nine minutes max WNBA, then an NFL best bet from Fezic. NFL, we're going to hear Blossom, but first... The last, and it will be a quick one, Number, it's only the second, commercial break. BetQL. Want to get an edge over Vegas and the sports books? BetQL is available for download, and it's the only app that puts all the important research you need in one place. BetQL gives you powerful data at your finger pit. Finger pits? No, no. Fingertips. With BetQL, you can quickly assess line movements to see how the lines move throughout the day. This app gives you access to public betting trends in real time, so you can see which side the public is favoring. BetQL's 
algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of detailed recent and historical team trends. Best of all, you can download BetQL for free from your Apple or Android device. Head to BetQL.co to download the app you need to outsmart Vegas. That's BetQL.co. By the way, BetQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer, trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free, both from Apple and Android. Oh, true car. You are true and blue to the dream preview. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody, even Fezzik. Well, maybe if you were playing chess at the same time. <laughs> All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car you want. And your certified dealers know this. So they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new car or a used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. You know what that means. It means if it's available in your state, take advantage. W N B A. All right, Fez, make the case. We got some skeptics. They're looking and saying, oh, there's only 14 minutes left. He's got a best bet. So ugh, don't hit the plus 30 seconds for just a minute. Fez is going to convince you. Why should a batter who doesn't watch a WNBA, everybody, <laughs> why should they be betting your WNBA? Because the WNBA market is at best semi-efficient, if not inefficient, especially when it comes to injuries and player personnel changes. Contrast that with the NBA, where the second there's a key change, a Gordon Hayward goes out for Boston, Twitter explodes, and an immediate adjustment is made, not just going forward, but even in the in-game pricing of that individual game. So that's interesting. So what you're saying is something that unequivocally affects the outcomes is not being accounted for. And this isn't one of those, hey, you're at your screen and, you know, maybe you're getting your hair dyed, maybe you're not, but you're at your screen. <laughs> and, oh, look, it comes over the wires, so-and-so's out, you fire, you get the bet in. Because really, people following you, that wouldn't help them. You're saying this is stuff, and give me an example that that you find out 
you're able to get it to your customers. And even if they bet after work, 20 minutes before the game, there's value. Explain that. Yeah, well, I'll use some player personnel this year. Elena Deladon is the best. She and Maya Moore are the two best players in the WNBA. She plays for the Washington Mystics. They didn't have that good a year last year. They only won 18 and 16. But the last two years, RJ, she's had to deal with Lyme disease. She's had to deal with a new team. She's had to deal with multiple injuries. She missed a whole lot of games the last two years. It's explainable why Washington barely was over 500 last year. Washington, with an, a healthy Elena Deladon, and she appears to be so, is going to be a much better team. Okay, so this seems different. It seems like you're saying if people are looking and handicapping off of last year, they don't understand how certain absences and injuries last year or players playing at less than 100% skewed last year results. Thus, people have a misunderstanding of how good the last year's teams were, so they have a misunderstanding about this year's team. That's interesting. That's not the same as, hey, this center's out, this guard is out, market doesn't move, but you think it's worth two points. So give me that example. Well, you're sticking with Washington. They have a great guard in Christy Tolliver. She's like a little Allen Iverson. When she goes out, she's critically important, and the market barely budges at the news that she might miss a game. But you think she's worth? She's probably worth two and a half points because she's the one that gets the ball to Deladon, and she can bomb from the outside as well. So this is an example of not beating the market on injury news, but rather understanding the value of the injuries when the market doesn't. Correct. And also in the NBA, RJ, if someone's going to play and they're hundred percent, they they're worth what they're worth in the WNBA. These gals make 10 times more playing in Turkey, playing in Europe, playing in Russia during the off season. Well, some of them are still playing for their club teams. They don't get back until the season's just about to start or, or week one or week two after the season has started. So what happens? Our own Las Vegas aces, brand new WNBA team over from San Antonio. Kayla McBride's our best player. She's not in camp. She's still playing for her club team. When does she get back? Well, when the club team's season is over, do you think that she's going to be effective that very first game with new teammates? Not nearly as effective and jet lagged, but what will happen is a flash. Kayla McBride's playing tonight. And that will move the marketplace too much. So what you're saying is in some cases, big name players are overvalued, especially if they're less than 100% because they uh, aren't prepared for the WNBA season. And so So, so if anything, it seems like some of your best bets are front loaded early in the year. Exactly. Weeks one and two. And unlike the NBA, we all know about the Popovich situation, fourth game in five nights. Oh, Kawhi Leonard and everyone else is sitting. The line moves 12 points. Well, that rarely happens in the WNBA because they only play uh, 34 games versus 82 games. And so it's they don't play three games in four nights. It's rare, never four and five nights. So you almost never see a WNBA team take a night off. And we mentioned it, but boy, it bears repeating. 18 and five, 18 and five last year. Not a streak, not to end the year. He had 23 picks, and he won, Fezzik did, and his followers did, 18 of them. He had to know everything, this guy. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. <laughs> All right, you've got three teams, and we're going to give a coupon for those that want to buy. You know, you can buy the picks individually, or you've got a season package. How much is your season package going for? 
I knew you were going to ask me that. I, I think if I, I don't remember either. I heard him talking about it, but it's, it's certainly, la- it's not more than 150 bucks. Yeah, it's very reasonable. Yeah. So this is one of those, hey, if you want some summer action, uh, again, 18 and five, mighty, mighty good. And let's give that coupon now. It's going to be Fez Math. That's going to be with two Z's. A lot of debate about that, but since I brand Fez, it's two Z's. F E Z Z Math, M A T H, all one word. And that gives you 20% off any individual pick from Fez or his WNBA package, which would save you, you know, significant money. Fez math. And that would be good. When's the season start? Friday night. All right. We'll make, we'll let that go through Saturday, but you'll have a pick probably Friday night. There's only one game, I think, but everyone's in action on Sunday. Maybe keep it up till Sunday. All right, Fez. Player friendly. Fez math. That's it. F-E-Z-Z. M-A-T-H, and you get 20% off. You just pick Fezzik's package, go to the shopping cart, put in Fezmath, and save 20%. Let's go the three teams that you think offer value early. You won't be playing blindly, but you like them. One of them already discussed, uh, Washington Mystics with Deladon back, healthy, and Tolliver to get her the ball. I think that they are a strong contender to win the East, and they're going to be undervalued based upon the stats of a 500 team from last year because Deladon missed so many games. And when she played, she wasn't 100%. Okay, so at the end, just repeat, because I think a lot of people, obviously, a majority don't know the players in the team. Washington so say, Mystics undervalued. So you're looking to play on them. Yes. Team two. Team two, uh, the Atlanta Dream. They only won 12 games last year. The Dream are undervalued, and it's all because of Angel McCartry. Angel's one of the best players in the WNBA. You'd never see this in the NBA, RJ. She just decided to take last year off because she was tired and burned out. So now she's coming back, and she historically has been one of the best players in the league, averaging 20 points per game, and now she should have fresh legs. The Atlanta Dream is going to be so much better with her back in being their number one scorer. Team three. Team three. We're going to be funny if I go, you know, though, with Delavadova, I'm kind of concerned. <laughs> You know, I do have one question. How many teams are there? Twelve. Six in the East, six in the West. And how many players per team? Fifteen. All right, so 12 times 15. How many of them, the ladies, are better looking than Jimmy G? What percentage? Well, I could probably name them. (laughs) I love Jimmy G. All right, 13. Um, Skylar Diggins would. I love Skylar Diggins. Oh, whoa. <laughs> hey, now. Uh, <laughs> Connecticut Sun. I don't know why this team was so good last year. They consistently outperformed their expectations. They had a fine year. They won 21 games. And now they get what was the number one draft pick for them, Agwumake, back at center. Now she's got a sister that plays for the Sparks, but she's every bit as good, if not, she's better than her sister. But RJ, she hasn't been out of the league one year. She's been out of the league. Two years, she just had a really good preseason game. She's fallen off the radar. If she's half as, you know, she's close to as good as she was three years ago. He's discombobulated. Yeah. This Agumake-led <laughs> Connecticut team is going to be a force. All right. Any closing thoughts on the WNBA? None. All right. And you'll be putting stuff up in the forums. Also, Fezic Sports, obviously on Twitter. Fezmath, F-E-Z-Z-M-A-T-H, 20% off. Guys, listen, here's what I know. Wise guys can't really over bet the WNBA. I mean, what's the limits in town, Fez? Nichols, 500. 
So how many pieces, like if you bet a game, how many, how many uh, cracks do you take at it? Well, I could take seven cracks at, at, at uh, 500 a pop and get down 3,500. Oh, okay. I agree with that. Unless they notice the, the screen turning black and then they might beat me to the punch. So I got to be quick. Might get a helper. Brad, get down. You can give me a uh, date with Skylar Diggins. I'll be more than happy to help you. You think she's better looking than Jimmy G? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but here's the reality. You've got a whole, you know, business built up around to get off seven places. Most people, and even 3,500 for a true syndicate's not enough, right? So what happens is this is like playing a one, two, no limit game. You're playing against a lot of 20 and $30 batters. That's why the market's not moving on InfoFest as it should be. Fez has the ability, and this is so important. Last thing before the best bet. If Fez could only get off a nickel or two, even, I would say this. If you look at every professional batter who is in a syndicate, meaning it's not a full business with 20 people and scientists and meteorologists, even if it's a guy like you, it's got two or three partners or whatever you're doing, I bet your ability to execute, as in get the number you want, get off the pieces you want, Top 10%, right? I think so. So in a way, a Fezzik typically wouldn't be handicapping the WNBA because if you weren't in the top 10% getting off, meaning the transactions, if you weren't in the top 10%, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth your time to only get a nickel or a dime off. But you can get off 3,500 or even five dimes. Now it's worth it which means physics in the game. Now I can promise you that's n- all the people betting 20 bucks at a time do not like the fact that physics in the WNBA game. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. Now, if you're not betting more than 500 a game, you get the best of both worlds. You get physics information, but the friction, the difficulty around the WNBA for really sharp players, you don't have to worry about either because you're betting less than a nickel. So it really is a perfect storm to have some really positive EV summer action or spring and summer action. Any thoughts? And you can go down to the Mandalay Bay Event Center and watch your hometown team, which I will most certainly have plays on and against throughout this year. You do realize that less than 10% of the people listening to the Dream Preview <laughs> are from Las Vegas. For the locals, you can go down to the Mandalay Bay. <laughs> It's Did time. you get some from the man? Because you put in the, you made sure Mandalay Bay got in there a couple times. Did they give you? A oh, little bit? oh man, they? are you? You're figuring him out, yeah. aren't you? Who knows what's going on? You never know. You never know. We would never know, right? Comped parking. I got my M Life credit card. I pay no anyone can do that. Fees, but All you got to do is get the car. It's a no charge card. Everyone that's sharper than a square has that already. Yeah, we just fez, added fez, some value. Fez. Enough. <laughs> Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Stick to what you know, Faz. For all those living in New Orleans, you can watch this game week one in the NFL. The Saints are hosting Tampa Bay. 
You can lay seven, RJ. I love this game. Now the critics are going to say, "Fez, there's a trend out you there." You know, when he said that, I I heard him say, "I love Jimmy G." Yeah, it's yeah. the exact same phrase. Almost a slip there. <laughs> uh, there's there's trends out there that says if you play on a nine non playoff team, catching points that's usually a good bet against a playoff team, but it's not a good bet here. The Saints are the right side. We talked about how I've got the Saints, my number six team in the NFL. I think Tampa Bay is perennially overrated. Everyone keeps talking about those wide receivers and how Mike Evans is going to have his breakout year. Bottom line, I've got a much better than average team against a much worse than average team in a place, a venue where there's a huge home field advantage. New Orleans, the Dome Rocks, I'm going to give them four for home field. They beat this team 30 to 10 last year. And here's why I love this bet. Week 17, the last game Tampa Bay played at home they got a fumble six in the fourth quarter, and then they got a touchdown pass on the final play of the game to beat New Orleans in that game. So I've got very, very recent revenge, and I've got a New Orleans team that obviously had a very sour taste in their mouths the way they lost in Minnesota. It's uh, time for the Saints to flex their muscles. I think the Saints' defense keeps Tampa Bay's offense below 20 points. That means they're going to win by double digits. We're going with the Saints minus seven. Now, which way do you expect this line to move? I think it goes up to about seven and a half. No further. So if you if you agree with Faz, he's saying bet it now. Is that correct? I'd lock in the minus seven. And it really ties up with what you were saying about how, hey, whatever doubts you do have about New Orleans or New Orleans, it's it's more about across the season. Week one, we're avoiding that. Correct. I, I would remiss be remiss not to mention that Mark Ingram, one of their two starting running backs, is out. He's suspended for, for, for four games. But Kamara, in my opinion, is the better of the two running backs. All right, guys. Quick housekeeping here. One, we've got the Preakness coming out on Friday. Two, if you haven't listened to the Matty Holt, RJ, one-on-one, that's in the feed also. That's all about, and really... I had, I think, some you know insights that I liked, but Maddie's the guy. He has seen this all. He knows. I mean, I talk to guys like Maddie. Maddie's the guy. Really good listen. Subscribe, and you get all the podcasts. Next week, we'll probably do uh, release one of the interviews we did. I don't know which one. We've got a few in the can, so there'll probably be three pods next week, too, including Don't Bet On It. Oh, by the way, podcast one. There's a show that Shaq has, Shaq and John Kincaid. Oh, by the way, John Kincaid, the CBS national host, the big Atlanta guy, used to be at ESPN. We did a two and a half hour interview. Then we actually went and had dinner at Casa de Amore. He talked for an hour and a half during dinner. Wow. And he talked, you you know, usually I'm talking 70%. He talked 85%. Wow. This guy's a talker, but I guess he's a professional Radio guy, him and Shaq do a podcast. If you like what we do, check out the big podcast with Shaq every Monday at Podcast One. He's not just talking sports. From wacky news to dumb entertainment rumors, Shaq is there making fun of it all. Check out the big podcast with Shaq at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. And I think next week, maybe I'll put out that Kincaid podcast. Subscribe. Talk to you there.
getting loose Nothing we can say is gonna change anything now I believe in the morning from St. Mary's Gate We wouldn't change this thing even if we could somehow Cause the darkness of this house has got the best of us Touch me now They ain't gonna do to me What I watch them do to you So say goodbye It's Independence Day Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. 